welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Tresida from Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Peter Bagshaw, GP and Clinical Lead for Mental Health and Dementia in Somerset. And we're talking today about care as you are. Uh, and we're really pleased to welcome Stephen Lawson, Mary Renouf. Stephen, um, would you like to introduce yourself and then Mary? I'm sorry, I've probably got that the wrong way around, but some st- I've said Stephen, so please carry on. Thank you, uh, Andrew. Yeah, Stephen Moss. Um, I'm an organisation development and system change consultant. I've done a lot of work in Somerset, um, run commissioning academies and doing a lot of work around developing commissioning practice over the last three or four years um, across the country, uh, including Somerset, uh, which is where you and I first met, Andrew, um, talking about commissioning. And I'm also a director of a company called Reveal Productions and, and Imagine Age, which has made this film Care As You Are. And I was the producer for that film. Lovely. And Mary? Hello. Thank you. Um, I'm very pleased to be, we're very pleased to be invited. Um, I know Stephen and Joanna in terms of Somerset through Joanna, who I've known for about 35 years. Um, In terms of my experience behind Care As You Are, I am the writer. Uh, My name is Mary Renouf, and I come to it with lived experience, having looked after my father, who had dementia uh, for about six, seven years. And prior to that, I was in communications and worked with people like Spike Milligan, Nick Faldo, Teletubbies. And I feel their stories that they told with their work helped inform me to write this piece. Thank you. So that's really interesting. So um, I was my question was about to be, what, what brought you to bring about a film? And you've partially answered it, but by saying that you were inspired to, to, to write about it from experience of others and from lived experience. But there's more to it than that. Lots of people want to tell their story, but there's a lot, lot of difference between thinking about something, between writing about something, and actually producing a film. So tell us about that process. Well, Stephen, I'm sure could carry on for me. I'll just begin. We were actually asked to um, enter a proposal to the Somerset Community Foundation. And we were invited then to pitch this idea. And we all came from different experience. And I came very much driven by the idea of film with Joanna because stories we feel are shared experience and film is very much a shared experience and could be a way of meeting the people that we were targeting. Specifically our ambition and you as GPs was maybe even that when someone comes in and has a diagnosis, instead of walking out as I did, I walked in a daughter and came out a carer, you at least would walk out with this film given to you by the GP to say, look, here's the experiential journey or here's a telling of the story and it's here to support you. Stephen, perhaps you'd like to elaborate. Um, Yes, very briefly. um, We came up with the idea of the film. We made this application to a fund called uh, Solutions for an Aging Society. Um, And we were given a small grant. And with that grant, we we then um, undertook research with carers groups in Somerset. And um, obviously with Mary as well, with her lived experience. And uh, Joanna, the director, who's a very experienced uh, theatre, social theatre, and film director, um, who also has experience as a young carer, um, we we put the the film together. 
um, based on that research with with actual carers. Uh, as I say, carers' voice were very helpful in Somerset. And it's something that I, as a GP and also with lived experience, know how important the question of being a carer is and, and how challenging it can be to, to find yourself in that role. Can you tell us a little bit about the sort of things that the film covers, uh, any any tips that we can get from it, any help and advice it gives us? The, the key th- idea in the film really is that if you, um, that carers have emotional needs and <clears throat> we subtitle the film An Unexpected Journey and a Peculiar Gift. So it, it charts a family's experience and a friend's experience of, of being a carer. And we see in the film that the, the kind of revealing of, of their emotional needs, the ups and downs, um, the conversations in the family and so forth. So we wanted it to, to tell a story, one story amongst many, we call it. Uh, and that, that's also one of the subtitles of the film. The emotional aspect of it, I found very important in the very early stages of looking for my father. And perhaps it's best illustrated by a story whereby we were traveling and there were two suitcases left in the room and my father went in to change and he'd been a very long time. And when I went in, I mean, it was shocking and funny and sad all at the same time. He had actually gone into my suitcase, which felt a bit strange anyway, but I had some sort of sporting sporting shorts that he'd been trying to put on. And um, and it was, I was in shock, but also sort of laughing at the same time and realized if I could tie in my emotions with that experience, I could learn. That's really interesting. And I'm just looking at the, um, the program notes you put with the film and it describes the film as a powerful and moving story developed from real experiences provided by carers. And Mary, you've just given us that. Uh, and this guide and film provide a practical approach to help us understand valuable information. And I love the next paragraph because it says, carers will experience many emotions as they come to terms with and fulfil their role. Uh, You went in a daughter, you came out a carer. However, inadvertently and accidentally, some of these feelings can be suppressed and associated with guilt and shame and therefore frustration occurs as a person is unable, is incapable of being able to express those emotions appropriately. And this undermines their self, their resilience and sense of well-being, creating stress and ill health alongside a loss of resolve to continue as a carer, um, which is an overview. But there's a lot more in the detail. And I wonder which points you'd like to bring out next about, uh, about that journey. Well, I think one of the key points is there are so many mixed emotions and I the other reason we brought in emotion is that emotion is something that arises in relation to other people feelings are something perhaps you can have on your own that pass but emotion actually is a reaching out and a stirring and you have a lot of those when you are alone with the person that you're caring for and you don't know how to process them and if you can share them 
then I feel you can then change that intense experience, which might just be an intense experience. But because you link it with a bit of shame and embarrassment, for example, when my father appeared naked suddenly, all these things occurred to me like I shouldn't be here. The family should be here. I what shall I do? And then you realize, actually, when you look back 10 minutes later, you've coped very well. You've pulled up the trousers, you set them down, they've had a cup of tea and you've been fine. And if you can share that experience, then you can process it. And being a carer for anyone with a long-term condition can be challenging as, as well as rewarding, of course. But I think for somebody with dementia, it can be particularly challenging if the person's behavior is different from what you're used to. And, and sometimes people will, particularly in later dementia, get quite aggressive or not recognize that person, or if they say things that you know to be incorrect and how you react to that. Are, are there any tips and hints you can give to people in that situation? So one of the things we've done is we've uh, created a scene-by-scene -scene guide, uh, Peter, uh, through the film, and, it, and it, it sort of summarizes what you've just seen. It also uh, tells you you a bit about the carer's experience in the scene and then it asks some questions about your own response to the scene and each of those different scenes has different questions attached to it to and some tips and questions to to guide if you like the thinking of the carers or the family watching it um, or the professional for that matter who might be watching it uh, so apart from that good uh, booklet that comes with it um uh after every scene or after a couple of scenes, there are what we call reflection points. So there's a voiceover that reflects on some aspects of the film that you've just been watching. And then it poses a couple of questions at the end to encourage carers really to connect with other people uh, in particular, to reach out, to not let yourself become isolated, to tell people that actually a lot of the feelings that they may have are actually quite normal considering the situation that they're in. Um, the changes in the person and how you adapt to those changes. Um, and also that <clears throat> looking after yourself is a, is a really key, your own emotional and mental well-being is, is a key part of being a carer. If you, if you don't do that, you cannot keep going. You lose sight of your purpose in being a carer. It's often a, a marathon, not a sprint, isn't it? And I always encourage patients to count themselves as well, because it, it's so easy just to make your whole life devoted to caring for that person uh, and, and to neglect your own self-care. So I think what you say there is, is really important. How in practical terms do people do that? How in practical terms? Well, if I may say, and Stephen, if you can, one of the key things where is to form relationships at the very beginning to understand the significance of what is about to happen and that you call around you, friends, community, to find out, first of all, how much are they going to contribute so you can set up a rotor. And then within that, you also have people that you can talk to about your emotional state and the processes that you're going through. And then maybe you do what you called about self-care, where you create a safe environment. And if something does get overwhelmed, we have a we have a series where the mother and the daughter quarrel. You learn to create a safe space if that quarrel happens, where you make sure the person with dementia is safe. And then you try and leave that for a few minutes and 
compose yourself. And you've said something really interesting there, Mary, that I hear from a lot of patients that they'll say, well, I've been the daughter for the last 60 years, and suddenly I'm the one who's who's having to be the parent. And, and that change in relationships can be really challenging for people, can't it? Both the person with dementia and, and their carer. Absolutely. And it's that. And the challenge comes, I think, in the emotional story that you tell yourself about that experience. And if you can process that and learn that, yes, I I agreed to do this. I was the daughter. I still am. And I can manage this. But you must take it step by step and not be too hard on yourself if sometimes it upsets you. Yeah, I think I think what a situation does uh, like this does for a family also is it, it it exposes the family relationships we can't assume that <clears throat> everybody who goes into a caring role has an absolutely fantastic relationship whether they be a spouse or whether they be a son or daughter and so they're coming from that place um, of relationship in the first place so they do need that support and for example in the film there's a a really interesting scene by the neighbour who talks about caring for his wife and the issues around intimacy and personal care. And he says, you know, we weren't getting on too well before the diagnosis. Um, And he talks a lot about his feelings. And that scene came up from a conversation that we had with a village agent, one of Somerset's village agents, when we were talking about the film and some of the scenarios. And he said, well, actually, you know, something that comes up quite a bit is the in spouses is the relationship before the diagnosis. And so that film, uh, that part of the film was then written as a result of that conversation. So just a final point then is there are people around, particularly in Somerset, actually, village agents, uh, um, uh, care agents in GP practices and things like that. And if they could be looking out for people who have a diagnosis in the family, they could be, as Mary said, connecting the, the potential carer to other other carers and carers groups very early on so that they start to understand that what they're going through, um, whilst it's unique, it, other people resonate with it. Other people can can understand what those feelings might be. I think you've raised something really important there, Stephen. So uh, at a meeting we were on before this podcast, we were talking to our dementia support workers in Somerset, and they were telling us about the support network that there is outside the carer. So they're singing for the brain. There are memory cafes. There are the dementia support workers who people can call on if they're struggling. So it's really important, I think, that people realise that they're not alone and that they it, it's perfectly OK for them to turn to others for help. Yes, that's a very good point. Point. But but a lot of services, the focus tends to be on the person with dementia and not always for the carer. So I think that we're just saying uh, make every conversation count. That's another one of our little catchphrases that we use around the film. Make every conversation count if you're a professional. If, someone, if you go in and see somebody and you ask them how they are, the carer, and they say, well, you know, it's tough, but I'm OK. Um, maybe just spend a few more minutes just checking whether that actually is how they're feeling and whether they need a little bit more support or validation of the frustration or even the anger or annoyance or disappointment that they've been experiencing, as well as potentially listening to the stories of joy. Oh, I had a really good day yesterday and just probing a bit. What was good about it? Well, actually, 
you know, mum was a bit more lucid and we, we had a lovely walk in the garden. And, you know, so you feel the, the chemical reactions, the endorphins of that as well. Very powerful stories. And we'll come back to some of the other learning points in, in a minute. But uh, the structure is really interesting. And, and our producer writes that he, lo he loves the way it reinforces the learning along the way. It's, it's a great learning tool. But it's also so believable, and the power of the image and the power of films that you do become immersed. But I have a question for the two of you. Um, how did you cast your actors? And because they are such good actors and the roles are so well acted, were they just acting or was it grounded in any personal experience with the roles, we wonder? I know Joanna as a director always calls on people's experience and works on that and does a lot of work digging in to <clears throat> people's experience about when, when, when have you cared for others? When have you been cared for? Um, you know what she would have definitely explored uh, people's personal experience, lived experience as part of the, the pr process of, of rehearsing and developing. And my, I could add, in terms of the writing, I suppose, philosophically and existentially, care is really to care. And I looked up that a lot and what it means in terms of verbs and actions. And ultimately, I thought really caring towards the end of the life of somebody is maybe love in action and good faith. It mirrors what happens at the beginning of a life with a child. The only the difference is, is one is working towards someone dying a good death or living a good life while they're alive. So it's in all of us. The word care has just slightly been hijacked for carers, which by the way, on my editor, when I was writing and I would want to put the word carer in, it kept on going to career, which is true. You can have a career as a carer, but I thought it was a bit ironic that they didn't have the word carer in the vocabulary. And I love your phrase, living a good life, because one of the phrases that we use a lot is living well with dementia. And a lot of us know people, particularly with early dementia, who absolutely still have fulfilling, uh, happy lives. So I, I, I wouldn't want to paint a completely negative picture. I think, may I add to that, maybe I'm pleased with David's response about it being true and a, a film based on experiences that I think it's key to admit that there is at the beginning, there is the suffering perhaps because of not understanding what is going on. For the person, perhaps, you're worried that they haven't got these memories. But if you slowly progress and live with them and experience, you can see that maybe there's another level of living that is taking place. So you go from suffering to living, but you might go back to suffering again. But it is a positive experience that as long as someone is alive, there is a way of making this a good life though difficult sometimes. Thank you. Mary, I think it's incredibly brave of you not only to, to take the journey of, of being a carer, and we all have our journeys in life, but actually to write about it. And did you find there were any particular challenges in writing about it? And was it difficult for you in writing about it, in producing the script? Yes, it was, actually. It was a very difficult timing because it happened spontaneously in terms of award being awarded the grant so one could had to go forward with it um but at the time my father had just died and there were you know 
things happening within the family, as you can imagine. And um, I wanted to be very careful to draw on the intensity of my experiences, but also to call upon all the carers that we were talking to. And it became necessary for me to get that distance was to actually not put my name down to begin with. So my name in the film is are my middle names, Claire Francis. And that enabled me to have a bit of distance to make a story that maybe that was a collective voice, but didn't take away, but use the intensity of my experiences to dramatize those voices even more. I hope that answers it. It, it does, and it brings me on to the next point, really, which is, you know, we go through life as a journey, as we were mentioning earlier, uh, and sometimes we're so immersed in the intensity of it that we can't see the big picture. So I'm very interested to hear that you use your middle names to distance. But have you got any other tips for people um, who are finding the daily activities of caring uh, exhausting or, or all-embracing? How 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 can they maintain perspective? How can they maintain dis, a little bit of detachment, not necessarily just detachment, in order to keep their own health hard? There's there's a scene in the film towards the end where Abby, the the, the character who's caring for her mother, talks directly to camera just about that, and she's. I think one of the critical transitions for her was. Uh, getting over those questions, why, why me, why us, why dementia? And um, getting over that it kind of released a certain amount of um, possibility for her to um, kind of move on a bit, uh, to, to accept the changes. And um, the other thing she says is really making time to do something that, that actually does relax you does make you feel good in her the example she gives is music and she says don't forget the music you know me and mum used to listen to music together um so that that would that that's certainly brought out in the film mary is there anything that you would add to that i think there is a question of faith as in good faith in life that i think for me and i think for others that i've spoken to there is a spiritual dimension that takes place because you're part of this fragility of this body. And when you start to take the time to live with that person and their body as it's going through, and this is once you've been heard and supported, you can't necessarily take your time if you're alone because you're very task orientated. But let's say a perfect scenario happens that there's a certain grace in the action of looking after the body and taking the time. And that is a mutual experience. But again, that can only happen if you've been given the space to take time with the experience that you're going through. I'm delighted that you mentioned music, Stephen, because uh, I, I think we've, we've all had this uh, extraordinary experience, haven't we, of, uh, of, of knowing about Paul Harvey, uh, who's able to play the piano and compose, even with quite advanced dementia. And, and it's a reminder that although memories may slip away, emotions stay with people with dementia. Um, can I ask, you've, you've dealt really well with the emotional side of being a carer. What about practical tips? I mean, there we know, for instance, that there are some things that it's useful to know if you're with somebody with dementia, like if they say something that you know to be wrong, not trying to correct them, but going with it. Does it deal with that side of things as well? 
Yes, it does. But if you must, if you remember that this is, um, Peter, this is from the point of view of the carer looking after the person with dementia. So to answer you in terms of the tips, if the carer is taught to look after themselves as well as the person they're caring for, because paradoxically it could become that the carer becomes invisible and ill while the person cared for becomes visible and almost very well. So to stop that happening, the carer learns to look after themselves and take care and goes on walks and tries to have some sort of ritual of good health treatment. And in that, they then following notes and feedback from people they then can hear and be more comfortable with the experience of the person with dementia so tone became very important actually even more than words there was a tone in which I which if you speak to someone with dementia that can completely destabilize a whole scenario and that can happen from anybody who could come into the room this is such powerful stuff and I know we could talk for much longer about it and it's really interesting but just practically how do people access the film and what are the next stop, next steps for the project in Somerset? Yes so um, there's a DVD and booklet for sale through, through Amazon Waterstones I think as well um, and um, I think we're just about to go on to video on demand as well probably through Amazon I'm, I'm not sure on that um, we're we're talking a lot to organisations that support carers, and and um, we were at a carers centre recently and showed the whole film to some of their workers, and a whole load of stuff came out from the workers who had un, unresolved feelings of their own, even though they were working in a role that supported carers. So it was very powerful from that point of view, and we're quite keen to to have professionals think about ways that they can introduce the film or scenes from the film. You don't have to watch the whole film all in one go um, with, with carers and uh, support them with the kinds of feelings and, uh, uh, and experiences that they're having. Um, the, um, the other thing we've been doing is to really taking a focus on the professional development of people who support carers. Um, every, make every conversation count as a reflective practice um, there are all kinds of reasons why professionals ask questions about emotions. Um, and so what we've done is we're developing an e-learning program with, with Somerset Council, actually, which will then take to other councils and health authorities and so forth and care organisations. But it's fully compliant for professional development uh, purposes online, uh, learning management systems, they're called. Um, and... Um, uh, that that's taking the film as content and then giving development exercises to go with it. Brilliant. And in the very short time we've got left, um, I mean, it sounds as though this would be useful, not just for those caring for people with dementia, but for all carers. But can you give us some links that people can follow to access your film, please? We'll put them obviously uh, with the show. Yes, we can send those links. Okay, we'll put those in. We'll put those in the show notes if it's not easy to search for them, uh, obviously. But I would just like to thank um, Mary and Stephen, you very much for for coming on our show, but for all the effort that you've done in making this excellent film, but excellent learning package that's available and will definitely help the help of people with dementia. But more than that, it'll help those who are caring. And so, thank you for your dedication, your professionalism, for making it happen. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group. 